0: to Going Further and Higher, Shakespeare Martino's podcast in which we discuss topical or indeed long-running themes in higher and further education. My name is Smita Jamdar and I'm partner and head of education here at Shakespeare Martino. In today's episode we're going to look at the impact of wider economic and financial instability on the higher education sector. I'm joined by Sean Moran who is a partner in our insolvency and restructuring team who's been advising on a number of such cases. Sean, we're seeing financial turbulence across the economy uh, and within the HE sector itself. And we know, for example, that the OFS uh, is now focusing increasingly on financial sustainability. But I was interested in knowing what are you seeing in your work and what do you think is driving this instability?
1: Hi, Smita. Yes, there are a number of factors really um, going through these over a period of Probably two to three years now. The the continuing impact of Brexit, um, the COVID nineteen and lockdown uh, process, the Ukraine conflict, supply chain issues caused particularly um, to businesses taking um, uh, raw materials from Eastern Europe or China. Now, more recently, increased costs for utility supplies and inflation in the um, in in the british economy um leading to a recession and i think some or all of these issues have created something of a perfect storm leading to an increased number of business failures
0: and i think what stands out to me from that is, is is as you say the sheer breadth of issues that the economy has had to grapple with over over recent years but i think in particular as well We've sort of almost forgotten, haven't we, just how traumatic in some ways the the, the pandemic was for for businesses and uh, whether whether you think there are any sort of hangovers from that, really, that are still affecting business. Oh,
1: most most certainly, Smita. I mean, I think um, we we should remember that the government acted commendably quickly in relation to offering support to um, businesses. And they had a piece of legislation without going into too much detail, the Corporate Insolvency and Governance Act 2020, which gave relief to struggling businesses and uh, prevented um, creditors, including HMRC, presenting winding up or bankruptcy petitions. But most of that protection has now been withdrawn and businesses are facing creditor action um, and, that that is causing an increased uh, increased pressure on, on businesses generally.
0: And in terms of the higher education sector, um, again, it feels like a, a, a throwback to a dim and distant past, but th- there was a temporary restri- re- HE restructuring regime, wasn't there? But, but obviously that was then withdrawn. So is it worth just briefly reminding ourselves what that was and why it was ultimately withdrawn?
1: Yes. Um yeah, we the, the, the government brought in as as part of the overall support package to to businesses and, and organizations a temporary um higher education restructuring regime where the government could make loans to struggling providers. Um it was never, though, a full um administration package in in the way that um we see in other Um, parts of the sector. And it has now been withdrawn um, as we've come out of the um, the, the main effects of the pandemic.
0: Um, So where does that leave any HE providers that are now potentially facing financial difficulties?
1: Well, they are effectively exposed because there is no regime for HE providers. um, Unlike in Further education with the um, the, the uh, legislation that was brought in between 2017 and 2019, creating a bespoke administration regime for that sector, which in fairness has itself struggled um, to 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 operate successfully and efficiently. There are no similar provisions for HE providers. Um, so where other Uh, businesses outside the sector have various options available to them, including liquidation, administration, or company voluntary arrangements to pick three of the the main insolvency routes. Those don't exist in the HE sector. Um, Because of the nature in which um, uh, HE providers have been formed, the usual routes are in the main not available. And um, you would only have compulsory winding up or, on occasions, the appointment of a receiver where that uh, where a lender holds a charge over property assets.
0: Right, OK. So, if an HE provider is in that position, what sort of things should they be concerned about, given that there isn't necessarily as straightforward a route to winding up and administration?
1: Well... Um, The same rules that apply to um, insolvency um, situations for for limited companies outside the sector will apply to trustees and um, governing bodies of institutions. And those include um, general duties that are um, commensurate with those imposed under the Companies Act and the Insolvency Act on directors, and and they include acting for the benefit of the particular HE provider at all times, avoiding conflicts of interest and not obtaining personal benefit or gain, and most importantly, perhaps to manage the affairs of the institution prudently without taking undue risk.
0: And what about uh, things like uh, third parties? What would be the sort of things to take into account there? Well, I think
1: um, as as an organisation, you need to consider carefully the relationships that you have with ongoing suppliers, exercising caution over exposure to the risk of non-payment or any defaults on on contracts. And um, it's also worth bearing in mind that Um, A lot of higher education institutions will themselves have subsidiaries which are registered um, under the Companies Act and um, with with, uh, registered directors. And those directors will be liable for um, for, for the obligations imposed under the Companies Act and the Insolvency Act, particularly in in terms of... um, uh, uh the risk of insolvency
0: absolutely and that is something that i know that you know boards are increasingly concerned about and i know that um auditors are increasingly concerned about making sure that those subsidiaries are also um you know properly uh taken into account when you're thinking about things like financial in- instability um through, obviously there's a, there's a difference between finding yourself going through a difficult time financially and being at risk of insolvency, which is often the, the sort of trigger for new types of thinking that have to happen. So, so what does risk of insolvency mean and what should institutions be doing if they believe that either they or a subsidiary is at risk of insolvency?
1: Well, there are two definitions of insolvency broadly. There's balance sheet insolvency, which um, in which a business or an organisation would um, it, its assets will be exceeded by its liabilities on a on a paper basis and the other form of insolvency is cash flow insolvency where essentially the business or organization cannot pay its debts as they fall due and either of those situations will uh trigger um or should trigger alarm bells for um directors or boards of governors, trustees who are involved in the running of those businesses. Um, The the important thing at all times, as I've indicated earlier, is to act in the best interests of the institution and its shareholders, or in the case of um, an HE institution, its beneficiaries. But there are certain circumstances in which that duty changes, and what's called a creditor duty arises and um, there was a case that was handed down by the supreme court last year uh, which uh, unsurprisingly gained a lot of publicity um, it's known as sequana um, and um, the the judges in the Saquana case set out the approach that directors should adopt when considering the solvency of their business and i think that the approach that was laid down in that case is, is instructive for um, boards of governors and trustees just as just as much as it is for directors of limited companies and that looks at um, the, the, the risk of insolvency. So where you have a business or an organisation where it is solvent or insolvency may be a real risk or probable. The directors still have the duty to promote the success of the organisation for the benefit of its members. But if but that that duty changes, and where insolvency is imminent, or if the organisation is cash flow or balance sheet insolvent, or if an insolvency process is probable, then you have to also have regard to the creditor's interest. And then the most serious situation is if there is no prospect of avoiding an insolvent liquidation. And in those circumstances, the interests of the creditors become paramount.
0: I think what I really liked about this judgment was that it actually provides some a, quite a, a practical way for boards to think about that journey, because obviously you are being pulled in different directions very often, but it's quite useful to see it as clearly set out, that th- these are the considerations you have at each of the different different stages. So I thought that was a really helpful um, clarification by the Supreme Court. Um, but in terms of practically, what, why why is that journey important? What does it actually mean for for uh, institutions?
1: Well, there are probably two important things, uh, as as I've said, um, for institutions and and people who run institutions the the important thing is to keep a very careful eye on the solvency of that institution at any particular time but but there are two specific reasons for that and and those go to the risk of personal liability yeah. and personal liability might arise in an insolvency situation where um, the directors or um uh, Governors, trustees have carried out certain transactions or affected certain transactions for the organization, which could be challenged or set aside by a liquidator or an um, administrator appointed to that organization. So you have to be very careful where you're dealing with um, suppliers, for example, who may be subject to insolvency in carrying out any transactions with those suppliers. And also you have to be aware of your own organization in terms of um, transactions that are being carried out. And in relation to the latter, the real risk is if you continue to operate, um, uh, whether it's an HE provider or any other business, where that organization is insolvent or at risk of insolvency then as um, Sequana says, the creditor's interests are paramount and you really have to um, take advice in relation to uh, ceasing to trade, ceasing to operate and looking at available options. The risk if you don't is personal liability potentially for the increased debts that the business or organisation will incur in that period of um, insolvency
0: okay to to sort of bring matters to a close then sean i'm going to ask you to give your top five things that a board should be doing if there is an insolvency situation what are the things that they should be doing well i think from the
1: outset um it's incumbent on any board to keep a close review on the financial position of the organisation at all times but particularly where there is risk of insolvency or risk of creditor insolvency that could lead to um, uh, some some form of contagion. The second point is to hold regular board meetings and make sure that those meetings are minuted so that you have an effective paper trail because there's nothing that um, uh, liquidators and administrators who come in and uh, investigate uh, insolvent businesses following their appointment. There's nothing they like more than picking apart records and highlighting the fact that there have been no, um, no appropriate minutes taken or uh, no decisions made to show the journey that the, the business or the organisation is facing. Third point is really to exercise caution when making decisions involving ongoing trade and the disposal of assets. Avoid, if you can, the risk of preferential transactions or transactions that might be set aside by a liquidator or an administrator following their appointment. At all times, take appropriate professional advice, and it's important as well, obviously, to act on that advice. And then the final point, Smita, that you'll be aware of is the OFS reporting requirements regarding financial sustainability.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I thought it was very interesting that the the OFS has published some case studies about uh, its interventions into business into um, providers who were facing financial instability. And in one of them, at least, I think the OFS had directed that certain assets should be sold. And the response back from the provider was that having those kind of very um, constraining. Parameters for disposal could have meant that they ended up getting less than market value um, for them. So it's, it's clearly something which um, can can arise in a, in in a, in a number of ways, and I think it's a very important point um, for for you to have highlighted there. Anyway, as always, there's lots there for institutions to think about. Um, thanks very much for sharing your thoughts with us, Sean, and thanks to all of you for listening. We hope you'll join us next time. So don't forget to hit the subscribe button, and if you like what you've heard please do leave a review. Goodbye.